Hey, friends, I hope you're well. On Plain Spoken, I've picked at the United Methodist Church, its leaders, its culture. I've pointed at a lot of bad behavior over time, and sometimes some of that I did while still under the umbrella of the United Methodist Church. I got called into the bishop's office, office over some of it, um, got a lot of flack while inside, and then have continued to get a lot of flack from the outside. Um, it's not been something that I've done with bad intentions. Of course, you know, who has bad intentions? Uh, but it's something that has not necessarily been appreciated by all. And it's not just people in the United Methodist Church. There are also a number of people in the Global Methodist Church who are of the mind that it is just not an acceptable way to move forward. Uh, just this last week, there was a chaplain in the GMC who published a piece saying that it, looking at what happened in the United Methodist Church, what we experienced talking about it is akin to Lot's wife looking backwards from Sodom and Gomorrah. And of course, that brought about her destruction. So there are a lot of people who are of the mind that it's inherently destructive and unhelpful to look back at where one came from and uh, talk about it in any way other than uh, kindly and gently. So um, I published a piece uh, yesterday. It was called The Denial and Projection of uh, the Hashtag Was Blessed Stayers, and I went through a series of memes published on the Friends of the United Methodist Church Facebook page that uh, I, at one point I did... Um, kind of laugh. You know, it was, it was shown me later, but um, I, I went through and, and treated each uh, what was essential. I think they're called macarisms, but the the blessed are those who it was meant to, to model Jesus' uh, beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And um, and so I, I, I addressed that, and, uh, you know, at the end, anyone who watched it who isn't crazy realizes it's not a great piece or a helpful thing to publish, and uh, I don't know, it, it, it's pretty normal for something that I do, but I got something from an old colleague in my old annual conference, and there's no point saying his name or anything, but um, I wanted to read this correspondence to you, and then um, I realized there's a spiritual danger in defending oneself. You know, when Michael the archangel was accused by Satan, he didn't defend himself, but instead he said, the Lord rebuke you. I don't want to have an attitude of, self-justification or um, or anything like that. My, my intent in this is to explain how it is that I'm currently seeing things so that people who see things differently can um, help me see things differently if those, if those other ways of looking at things hold integrity. So uh, there's no way to critique someone, though, unless you understand where they're coming from. So here's Here's uh, the, the guy who wrote me, here's his words, and then I'm, I'm going to have some scripture, I'm going to have some different points. There, there's some things, there's some ways that I look at this that I don't think many people understand to begin with or even think about. I think most people come with the assumption that if you're saying something negative about somebody or something, then you're causing negativity. And um, I, I don't know that many people understand that something that, that is negative can bring about good things. Here's the critique. He said, he addressed it, Brother Jeff, I want to write to just very simply, in the name of Jesus, ask you to stop a lot of your commentary around the UMC. For years, I've had my own gripes, and I know things have been rough, but I truly believe that what you're doing is now harmful. 
the blessed stairs thing is a cope for people who are deeply hurting and are responding poorly to pain. This is something for us to address internally to the UMC. Helping people heal and move forward into a more effective church is something I do a lot of these days. But now you're just making fun of people out of a sense of your own pain, and it's hurting myself and probably you as well. I just don't think it's Christian. I'm sure there's many things I teach that you think is sinful, a sinful departure from Christianity, and that's fine, but when I saw you making fun of people who are responding to pain poorly, I knew I had to reach out. Release yourself from the pain and the yoke of the United Methodist Church and move into a brighter future for yourself. I'm genuinely trying to ask for mercy from you and Christian love. And then he, he signs it with blessings. Now, I, I responded to this, and I'll tell you a little bit about how it wrapped up, but, but before even talking about all that, I think it's important to acknowledge the truth, even whenever I disagree with the person, the truth in what they say. So uh, the first thing to acknowledge is that mocking, jesting, sarcasm, these things are not helpful in seeking truth, in building for peace, they're all, they're all toxic. So people and their ideas should be taken as seriously as possible if, if we're going to take our ser- ourselves seriously as peacemakers. The next thing to affirm is that smugness and pride are mortal sins, and they will easily lead anyone astray into hellfire, even if they're right about what they're saying. You know, it's not just important to be right in content, but it's important to be right in one's spirit. And this person was not the only person to critique what they are afraid is something that easily leads to pride in oneself, confidence that one cannot mess up the way that other tribes do. There's there's a very easy tendency to, to act as though, to, to really believe all the flaws are in this one place and none of them are here. And so I, I think that that's a very worthy and valid uh, concern to always have about everybody. That's just a, a form of keeping watch over one another and guarding oneself that I think should be expected. The third thing <clears throat> that that I want to acknowledge is this this scenario of someone speaking out of pain. I, I would easily acknowledge often more often than not, causes harm. I, I think it's it's very wrong-headed to speak out of one's pain. Uh, and if, if what I was doing was speaking out of my pain to answer someone else's speaking out of their pain, like that's, I don't want to live in that world. I, I don't think that's a good world to live in. So um, the there's a lot of answers to this and and you can choose whether or not to believe me you know i uh, but the thing is i'm i'm not in pain i'm not bitter at the united methodist church i am frustrated and upset with l- liberal christianity in general i i don't have anything nice to say about it i i think it's toxic i think it's causing a lot of harm and whenever I speak about it, I, I'm not speaking about what I see as another legitimate strand of Christianity. I'm, I'm speaking about something that I think is tearing Christianity apart. And I don't think it matters that, that people who believe it have good intentions. So, I mean, see my entire other body of work, everything I've done before now, that's undergirding all of that. And that's not to say I hate liberal Christians. There are many that I like personally, and I'll say that when critiquing them. 
Um, but just because I like somebody doesn't mean that what they believe is okay um, or what they do out of that belief is okay. I, I wanted to pro provide six reasons for why it is that I have continued to speak about the United Methodist Church and why I intend to keep speaking about the United Methodist Church and other tribes that gladly host liberal Christian theology. One is, and it's the practical reason, General Conference is next year. That's a conference at which they're seriously considering removing international voices from input in the American United Methodist Church. I think that's openly racialist and classist. I think it would be a huge stain on the name of Methodism. I think it would disenfranchise millions of non-American United Methodists, and it would um, quite literally put in danger the lives of many Africans um, who, who are tied to North America if America is allowed to do whatever it wants without considering the African vote. I think it's terribly, terribly immature and small-minded, and I think it's undergirded by the same kind of mentality that I was correcting in the segment that I published yesterday. So... I think in, on a very practical level, there needs to be a stink created around certain forms of communication about others. Um, so I, I, you notice I, I'm not eager to call people out by name unless they expose themselves directly as bad actors and they put their name on it. I didn't try and figure out who is behind Blessed Stayers. I have no interest in that. I have an interest in helping the conversation take place well. Whenever I um, asked the guy who wrote me, do you have an example of where it is that it looked like I was mocking or making fun of? He showed me a segment at the beginning where I said, um, we're going to go through it. I, well, I kind of stopped and, and um, chuckled and said, well, you'll see. And that chuckle was out of in discomfort because it, it's just really uncomfortable to make your way through such content. But then I said, you'll see. You can talk about it in the comments, but keep it civil. And he thought that I was being uh, tongue-in-cheek or disingenuous was the word he used when I said keep it civil. I really don't like when people are nasty in the comments. I delete a lot of nasty comments because I don't think it's helpful for the conversation. Um, so when we're talking about leading up to general conference, I want things to go well for non-American United Methodists. I want things to go well for American United Methodists, and by that I mean not use brute force power politics to achieve short-sighted, selfish political goals. I think that that would really injure the conscience of United Methodism, and that would be a huge travesty. Um, some people might respond, well, why care about what happens? You're not a United Methodist anymore. Why care about anyone other than your own tribe? Um, so my second reason is because we're all connected. So the practical concern of what happens to non-Americans, if that's not compelling to you, then um, the reality just that we're all connected. And once again, this isn't a scriptural thing. This is just a practical thing. What, what happens in other Christian tribes and denomination affects me and mine. We're all connected. We share the same world. We breathe the same air. We're using the same lexicon and vocabulary. We're, we're participating in the same social fabric. It's silly. It's just silly to imagine that we're not going to talk about each other. That is just not a realistic way to go through life. It's silly to imagine that, that nobody 
outside of, of your relationship can have anything to say about your relationship, what, what planet are you living on? Point three, now we're going to get a little biblical, and um, anyone who's taken Old Testament prophecy classes knows that there are two kinds of prophets. There are central prophets from within the society that they're critiquing, and then there are external prophets that are outside of that society. So uh, uh, Isaiah was within the society, in, in the religious structure that he was critiquing. He is a central prophet. Um, Amos, not so much. You know, uh, there, there, there are others that came in from the outside and critiqued. There is a long-standing prophetic tradition that is biblical of, out of love, correcting God's covenant people. So I, I think it's inappropriate and unbiblical to take offense at people outside of your tribe critiquing your tribe. I think, I think biblical holiness requires that one take external critique seriously, that you disregard it at your own peril. That's not to say I'm the voice of God, but that is to say that I'm lifting up a critique that I think needs to be taken seriously. Otherwise, I wouldn't take the trouble to do it. Um, all right, so the, the fourth reason, um, and now I'm going to quote scriptures, but holy figures throughout the Bible not only build up and say positive things, but they also tear down and destroy. So the, the proof text I have for this, of course, is Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 9 through 10, which says, Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Now, again, I don't think I'm the new Jeremiah I, I don't think that, uh, that I've been given power over nations uh, to do this stuff. However, I do think I have to be faithful in the context that I'm in. The context I'm in is I have left the United Methodist Church, but I still understand it very well, and I'm in the global Methodist Church. I am in the Methodist world, and so that means that I really need to talk about what I know for the sake of those who need to make sense of what's going on, because there are a lot of people still who are very confused about what to do, who to be. And whenever not just Jeremiah uh, it lifts up and puts down, but that's something that God himself does, that's something that Jesus did, that's something that Paul did, that's something that Christians throughout the ages have done, it is not a scandalous thing for me, not only to be building up Methodism and lifting up good things to rejoice in, but also to be pointing at bad and toxic behavior and saying, hey, we shouldn't have that. That's something that more pastors should be doing. We, we need gatekeepers. We need referees, or um, as prophets uh, have been called by someone other than me, covenant lawyers. You know, There need to be litigators who are not just talking about the good, but who are also calling attention to the bad and trying to end it. So I think that's a legitimate tradition for pastors and just members of the priesthood of all believers to be doing. I think our discomfort with negative speech is really going to hurt us if we can't get over it. All right, the next, um, this would be um, point five as to why I'm still picking. Christians are explicitly instructed in Scripture to tell the truth in love, watching over one another warning one another. This is to be our way of life together. Um, and so uh, 
Well, here's here's the scriptural citation, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 through 15. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. So, guarding against bad doctrine is absolutely core and key. It's all over in the New Testament in particular, and the way that we do that is we speak the truth in love. Now, sometimes what I have to say might not be received as very loving. However, what is behind it is love. If love is willing the good of the other, I want good things for the United Methodist Church and the people inside of it. There are certain things and people within it that I think are bad actors and and sow discord and destruction and death, you know. So the way that 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 gets addressed is by speaking the truth about that with love being the motivation. So if at any point I just I'm going, man, I want to watch it all burn. I just hope all these people fail and I wish misery upon them. That that's not anything to do with Jesus. But if it is man, these toxic things keep being said, and these kind of leaders keep rising to the top, and look at the fruit that they bear, look at the destruction and the division and the schism that comes out, look at the the way that they continue to project their own sin and foibles onto others that have now gotten clear. And that, that connects me to the sixth and final reason why, and that is that love doesn't give up on others. Um, I think that's modeled first and foremost by Christ Jesus, who loved us before we ever loved him, who died for us before we could ever repent of our sin and be made right with God. Um, He died for his persecutors, those who killed him. And I think that's what we have to model as well as believers. And sometimes that's from within, and that's just letting them crucify us. Sometimes, though, I, I believe that it can be a Christian thing to establish a healthy boundary you know, with when when um, when someone's being abused by their spouse, emotionally, physically, I think it is legitimate not to automatically divorce them, but to create a space so that the abuse has to end until things get right. And that's what I understand myself to have done with the United Methodist Church. It's not that y'all are dead to me. You're not. I, I still care about you very much. But it's that uh, you're harming yourselves. You're you're harming me, and I can't be in relationship with you. I can't be vulnerable to you in that way uh, until things are right. You know, I, I so I think, but that, <laughs> I think that just means that I have to love you from afar. And I think I'm doing it better, actually, than I ever could from within. I, I, I think judging by how many people engage the content that I've got, negatively or positively, I mean, my voice is getting heard. The critiques that I'm lifting up are being seen, and even if I'm hated for it, I, I think it's a worthy price to pay if it helps some bad actors stop talking, if it helps some people who've been lying uh, cite their sources, if it helps some people say, you know, <laughs> I don't want that Jeffrey Rickman jerk talking about us on plain spoken. Let's let's come up with a different tech. You know, if I can have that impact, and y'all got to think I'm evil, fine. You know, um, but my hope is long term. For reconciliation. I don't think the global Methodists are the only ones going to heaven. I don't think we're the only ones got it right. We're going to have plenty of warts and plenty of struggles over time. I don't imagine we're at all pure. 
Um, I'm trying to to pave a road in the future where there can be reconciliation and cooperation. There can be some uh, reckoning with what happened and resolution not to do it again. Um, yeah, and another reason that I forgot to even put in here was because other we need to learn from the past. You know, we have to process where we came from, what's wrong, so that we don't recreate it. You know, so I don't think the the story of Lot's wife looking back pertains here. I think the Israel the 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 Hebrews yearning for the flesh pots of Egypt is the real problem here. Is uh, when things get tough, we have a way of kind of um, with rose tinted glasses looking back on the past and forgetting all of the the sadness and heartbreak and sin. And I think we have to chronicle that and process that appropriately so that we don't uh, recycle the harm done. You know, so that's that's the critique that this person wrote me about, thinking that I'm recycling harm. I'm speaking out of brokenness with against someone else's brokenness, and that's not what I'm doing. I I uh, I understand myself to be speaking out of a place of wholeness, of uh, a calling to holiness of uh, I'm trying to model what it looks like to process harm without returning harm. The The problem is that a lot of people think that speaking about harm is innately harmful, and that's where the crux of this is. I think, well, if I go to a doctor with a broken arm and he starts touching my arm, I can't say, oh, stop that. You know, In order to fix a broken bone, you have to touch it, and it's going to be a painful process. And that's what I understand myself to be doing. And I just don't think people respond. I mean, if you're going to set a bone, if you're too gentle, it, it ain't going to do anything. Sometimes you have to handle things pretty gruffly, pretty firmly, pretty directly. And so I that's what I understand myself, that line I understand myself to be walking. I'm not going to pretend that I'm perfect at it. There's probably things that I would rephrase if I could go back. But even so, if you look at the broad spectrum of what I've done, that's what I understand myself to be doing. So how, I wanted to close this out by saying three things. One is, I am open to correction. I'm willing to repent if at any point I have just behaved defensively, immaturely, harmfully. Uh, now, that's not to say that uh, I, if, if I haven't been clear, just because someone feels harmed, I do not think that means that I've caused harm. I'm very clear that many people, I mean, they killed Jesus because they thought he was harming people. So I, I just don't think feelings validate harm. I think harm is constituted by biblical standards, and so that's why I've engaged the scriptures with you. But there might be other scriptures I've I've not taken into consideration in the midst of this. So I can receive that critique. Um, so I'm I'm not saying I'm right, and there's no way anybody could have a problem with me. I'm saying here's how I've seen things so far. I could be wrong. If you have another way of seeing things you don't think I've thought about, you're very welcome to reach out. I'm at plainspokenpod at gmail.com. I am open. And that's how I close things out with this guy. Uh, I said, I'm open to you, man. Like, uh, help me understand this. Here's my intentions. Can you see that? Is there any world where you can see that that my actions here are actually helpful to you if you're trying to help people heal? He ended up just saying, I've said what I've said. You've said what I've said. What What you've said, that's the end of it. And I, I find that disappointing, you know, because the, the reality is um, I'm looking for some reasonable people inside the United Methodist Church. They can be liberals. I've talked to liberals. I've been respectful to liberals. I've talked with Drew Enns and Lonnie Brooks. Lonnie Brooks is like one of the only reasonable people I found who can have an honorable conversation. 
I'm looking for more people like him. I don't care if they're clergy or laity. I, I would I would love to try and lift up. You know, I don't want to just only tear down people in the United Methodist Church. I would love to lift up responsible conversation partners that can set a good tone for General Conference. We've only got a few months until General Conference. I would like to play a positive role in helping the United Methodist Church be its best self, even as I'm also trying to build up the Global Methodist Church. Because I, I'm a pan-Methodist. That's kind of my agenda here. If there's, well, and I'm a pan-Christian. If someone considers themselves a Christian, and especially a Methodist, then I have a vested interest in helping them be their best selves, and that means correcting bad behavior. So um, there were a number of people who wrote and said, you know, we need to be careful. You know, this guy wasn't the only problem. The guy who, he wasn't the only person who wrote with critiques. There are a lot of people saying, you know, we have to, to guard against thinking there's only problems there and there's none here. Uh, you got to affirm, yes, we have to be much more concerned about the log in our own eye than the moat in someone else's. And that means that y'all need to help me see the log in the, the eye of the Global Methodist Church. When there's bad behavior, when there's lies, whenever there's manipulation, I want to call that out. Um, so keep an eye on the GMC. I might disagree about whether or not, um, you know, somebody was, was maligning Jay Therrell the other day saying he lied. He said that gay people would be sent to our pulpit, and I'm not sure that's a lie. You know, I, I think depending on what happens that there's very real possibility that that's going to happen in many places that aren't ready for it, you know. So that's not the sort of thing I'm talking about. I'm talking about... Um, anytime, you know, say somebody starts preaching prosperity gospel on, on a GMC pulpit, I would like to hear that. I'd like to highlight that. I'd like to publicly correct that, you know, say a GMC pastor or a leader is caught in infidelity or embezzling money that needs to be highlighted and corrected. That's not acceptable in, in the culture of Methodism at all. So I don't imagine myself to be just anti-UMC, pro-everything GMC. I imagine myself to be hopefully raising the the standard and the bar for everybody such that Christ is glorified. Um, the final meditation, I think, was just, uh, it's not good to speak out of hurt. And um, and so, I, I don't know, I, I would just affirm a lot of the concern around the threats of, of this particular approach, but just because there is a potential threat does not, to my mind, justify not doing something. Rather, I just think we have to engage in these things conscientiously, lovingly, humbly, and um, I appreciate your prayers that I can be, that I can help in that. So, as always, I welcome your feedback, your thoughts. Uh, I already gave out my email address. You can also comment wherever you're listening to this or, or watching it. And then um, if there's one thing I could ask of you beyond prayer, if you know of any conversation partners that are reasonable, that could have a conversation with me, that don't see things the same way, uh, connect me. I would really like to make that happen. Appreciate you. I'll see you later.